0: And welcome to the program. I'm Dr. Paul, Darren Gowski. This is Worldviews, where what you presuppose about God affects everything when it comes to how you interpret things going on in the world. And what in the world is going on today when it comes to prophecy? You know, we just barely have started the year 2019 and we have all kinds of people out there that are predicting that 2019 is the end of humanity, at least towards the end. Some are a little more ambitious by proclaiming that, you know, the end of all of humanity could occur in the next month or so. And that's by being hit by an asteroid. In fact, today, the most likely situation is zero warning. The next impact of a mile-sized object will probably happen without any prior discovery of it at all. The first thing you will know is when you feel the ground shake and see the plume of fire coming up over the horizon. Now that's a comforting thought, isn't it? Yes, there's apparently an asteroid that's out there that NASA scientists say is there and they think that it possibly could hit the earth in 2019 some have said as soon as february or next month and wipe out humanity that's just one apocalyptic prediction that is going on today that says that 2019 is going to be the end of us all others are just simply saying, well, you know, the Bible mixed with some Mayan predictions is the is the uh, culmination of all things. It's finally coming to pass. In fact, an author by the name of David Montaigne, who is a Christian conspiracist, uses this particular formula of mixing and matching pagan ideas with biblical ideas and said, you know, what has happened here is that the Mayans weren't quite correct when 2012 was predicted to be the end of all things. Instead, that was kind of the beginning, and you add seven years to their prediction, and now, finally, it's all going to come to pass, starting on December the 21st of 2019. He describes the timeline of events according to an article saying that December 21st, 2019, when the seven years end and the week of heavenly wedding begins. December the 26th is when the bride, which is the church in the Bible, receives the ring from the bridegroom. December the 28th, the wedding ends on Judgment Day, with a pole shift that will create a new heaven and a new earth. Isn't that comforting? Others are a little more dramatic in the sense that here in about a week, starting January the 21st, I believe it is, and the 22nd, there's going to be a blood moon. And that's supposed to be indicative of signs of the times when all of humanity will come to a close. She said, Paul because obviously these apocalyptic signs in the heavens are pointing to a catastrophic event that's just on the horizon. We don't know when, just because you're going to have a super blood moon on January 20th and 21st doesn't mean January 22nd, all hell's going to break loose. But, and then again, it doesn't mean it won't. Okay. So there's, there's these signs that are starting to, uh, be revealed. And so, I mean, the urgency, folks, is now, right now, okay? The urgency has begun. The urgency has begun. Now, Jesus said something similar to that, and we'll get into that here in a few minutes, when he told his disciples to be on the alert and don't be sleeping, that certain th- signs would precede his coming. But was he talking about a blood moon as being one of those particular signs? Now, from my perspective, all of these things that the scientists and the quasi-Christian conspiracy theorists and or theologians and pastors and the like that really get tied up in this, from my perspective, I think they're a bunch of crackpots. (laughs) Just honestly speaking, I think they fit the mold of what Peter talked about as those individuals who are out there trying to make a buck. In fact, this Phil or this Paul Begley, this pastor here talking about the blood moon, he's been he's become quite the YouTube sensation. And really, when you stop and think about it, prophecy has always been one of those areas that has drawn all kinds of attention. It's almost like tarot cards or, you know, divination. People get all wound up and they get excited and the like. But just for the sake of argument here, let me ask you something. If what they're saying is true, I don't think that it is, but just for the sake of argument, if what they're saying is true, then what would you do if you knew that 2019 was the, was the end? Your life was coming to an end. All of these cataclysmic events were going to take place. You weren't going to be able to necessarily celebrate Christmas. Because at that particular time, that's when judgment comes to pass. The, the, the final days of the tribulation period that is preceded by the blood moon and the earthquakes and all this kind of thing that these false prophets get wound up in, all of that has come to a head. What would you do if you knew it was true? How would you react? How would you go about your day-to-day life? would you be one of those that all of a sudden you got religion maybe you joined a a convent or some monastery somewhere maybe you decided to go live in tibet for the for the 2019 year would that be something you would do maybe you would be one of those who would look around and go yay so what i'm just going to live my day in my life, and this last year just, maybe in just total hedonism. I'm going to get all I, I can get, eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die. Maybe that would be your attitude. Maybe you would be like uh, some Christians who believe that there's going to be this rapture take place, and you're out of here. You're not even going to worry about it, think about it, whatever, because you believe that you're not going to be around for all of the great tribulation events and people dying left and right and the like. How would you react if you knew that 2019 was the, was the end? The end of your life, the end of the world, as so many have predicted in the past and blew it big time. You know, from my perspective, and I've been doing this a long time, you know, I've seen one false prophet after another come and go. Several groups out there, such as the Jehovah's Witnesses, have been predicting dates for the end since almost their inception back in the 1800s and they've blown it time after time after time. They just kind of dust themselves off and keep on going. They've lost uh, a few thousand members each time they utter a false prophecy, but it just doesn't seem to bother them that much. It's like water off a duck's back. They just keep going, and and hopefully, at least they're hoping, nobody notices. The last time I checked, they made a prediction about 1988, and, uh, well, that, that didn't come to pass. Before that, it was 1975, and before that, it was back in the 1920s. Actually, I think it was 1943. It's just never-ending. And I remember when I was in uh, Bible college a long time ago, and I remember an individual by the name of Edgar Wizenant. He's not a Jehovah's Witness, but he had written a book back at that time. Eighty-eight reasons why 1988 was the time of the rapture, time of the end, and I was somewhat curious about it at the time, thinking, well, you know, this is kind of kind of uh, different. I'm a brand new Christian; never heard of such a thing. Is 1988 right when I'm, you know, going through Bible college? Is this going to be it? Well, obviously not. Here it's 2019. The years came and went. I think he revised it even one more time in 1989, 89 reasons why. That was going to be the end of all things. But once again, it just kind of got swept aside. Other groups like the Seventh-day Adventists. The the whole system of Seventh-day Adventism is based upon a false prophecy that was dreamed up by a devoted Baptist by the name of William Miller, who had prognosticated, I believe it was back in the 1840s, that that was going to be the end of all things. And so he had people going out on, on hilltops, selling all of their goods and waiting for the Lord to return, and it didn't happen. And so what Ellen G. White and some of her contemporaries her followers did was took his prophecy, dusted it off a little bit, reshaped it, started building a brand new Adventist theology around it. And voila, the seven-day Adventists who are seemingly so evangelical that some people can't seem to discern whether they are actually evangelical Christian or they're a cult, a bunch of heretics or whatever. Well, they they just because they don't take a look at the the foundation, which is false prophecy. And so, you know, this kind of stuff comes and goes, and it's not uncommon that I will get a flyer in the mail saying, Come join us for some prophecy conference somewhere. Somebody has dreamed up a new way to interpret the Bible when it comes to prophecy amongst Seventh day Adventists. So uh, the legacy continues of false prophecy amongst. Seventh-day Adventists and so here we have it again now I don't know what the background of these individuals are here who seem to think that 2019 is the end of all things but you may rest assured that they believe this with all of their heart whether it's asteroids hitting the world or it's just simply their spin upon the Bible this uh, pastor begley he says i mean we're in the last days okay that which is done in secret will be shouted from the housetop so when we're talking about the super blood moon you know going to appear well hey it's just a done deal you know you you're 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 not going to get anything that's more clear we're all going to die game over man It's game over that's exactly right game over it's done But my question still is, okay, if it's a done deal, what are you going to do in preparation for it? Is there going to be anything? Some might ask me, well, Paul, what could you do? What could you do? And I think that is a fair question. What could you do in preparation for uh, an asteroid that's about to wipe out all of humanity? Some might think, well, I think probably what I'm going to do is maybe, maybe I'll pay a few bills off and at least I'll have a clear conscience there. <laughs> I think that may be a far stretch. Most people don't care about that type of a thing. Others might want to uh, maybe, maybe make a few visits around the world. This kind of goes uh, along with the hedonism type thing. We're going to get all of this pleasure taken care of because we're not going to be able to do anything, obviously, after the, after the world has passed away with a great cataclysm that blows everything up, as this, as this uh, NASA scientist said here a little bit ago. So we're going to go make our visits. And then we're going to just kind of, like I said, sit around, eat, drink, and be merry, and (laughs) because tomorrow we die. But what could you do? What should you be doing? Or maybe, like I said, you're going to go sit on, just forget it all, do like the Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists, some other groups in the past have done, go get yourself a blanket, sit on a hilltop, have a picnic, and wait for the Lord to return. I don't know. I don't think that's quite plausible. That's not quite Christian. Or like I said, maybe you're not going to worry about it at all. The world's going to end in 2019, at least according to some. So what are you going to do in preparation for it? I said here a second ago that there are going to be certain individuals that believe they're not going to be around for all of the mess. I mean, Jesus said that he was going to return and that there were going to be certain signs that were going to precede his coming. And it's interesting that when he talks about his coming and the catastrophes that are, you know, destined to strike the earth, and all of humanity, it's not exactly what these prophets are talking about today because they're talking about all of the physical things. It's not to say that Jesus didn't mention those but oftentimes, almost always it seems like anymore, these prophets, these pastors, these uh, doomsday individuals, they never mention what Jesus talks about first. Over in Matthew chapter 24, as well as in Mark chapter 13, we have a clear indication of what Jesus is talking about, the signs that precede the end. And they really don't have anything to do with the blood moon or asteroids hitting the earth. This is also indicative in Luke Chapter 21, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, and Jesus came out of the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple building to him. Jesus has just got done reaming the scribes and the Pharisees in chapter 23 over being hypocrites, just blatant hypocrisy in how they were treating people. And so they come out. Jesus comes out. His disciples come out. They probably heard what took place. They go across and sit on the Mount of Olives across from the temple. And they said, don't you see all these beautiful things here, Jesus? Isn't this wonderful? <laughs> it's almost, it's almost uh, contrary to what took place in Matthew chapter 23. He's like, he could care less about the temple. What about what's in the temple? But he says, he, he the, uh, Matthew records, and he answered and said to them, do you not see all these things? Of course they did. He just pointed out to him how wonderful and beautiful things are. But he asked them, do you not see these things? Yeah, it all looks wonderful. I truly I say to you, there's not one stone here that shall not be left upon another which will not be torn down. And certainly they probably, well, certainly probably, they certainly had to have been in shock. Like, what are you talking about? As he was sitting on the Mount of of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what would be the sign of your coming? Here's a key right here, ladies and gentlemen, as to when, when you're interpreting prophecy, because so many want to include the rapture in here. And then they point to this particular passage or in several other passages. It will tell you what's going on here. He's talking about he's coming. That's what they want to know about. They don't want to know about some, you know, what, what, when's the rapture coming, Jesus? No, they ask about when are you coming? Jesus is coming again. And that's what we find in prophecy. We don't find the rapture and the end of the age. So they want to know, when will these things be? When are you going to see the, the walls and all of these stone buildings? When are they going to be torn down? When is your coming going to be? And when is the end? And so then Jesus goes through and he starts relaying to them. All of the things to look for. And one thing that I have tried to stress when talking about prophetic topics to individuals, especially when they start getting all wound up in seeing polar ice shifts and tornadoes and whatever happens to be wafting through their brain at the time that they have spun in a way where they think this is a sign of the end. Is Look, when these things that Jesus is talking about, when they come to pass, there's going to be no mistaking about it, because the events themselves are going to be ramped up by about a magnification of about 10,000. That's why when you take a look further on in the book of Revelation, a book that is been sorely twisted and misunderstood time and time again. You know, they've made movies about it, the Antichrist and all that kind of stuff. They look at that and they go, well, this, this could be anybody. No, you're not going to miss it when it starts happening. So Jesus says, see to it that no one misleads you. Well, the implication there is there's going to be all kinds of deception that's going to be taking place. Right now, yes, there's plenty of deception that's taking place, but it's going to be ramped up during this time when Jesus is about to return, the temple in the area is going to be destroyed, and the end of the age is upon us. But he says, be careful. You're going to have all kinds of individuals out there that are going to be trying to mislead you. He says, for many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, and will mislead many. Now, there are all kinds of individuals today that claim to be Christ, claim to be Jesus. You could do a Google search on the latest false prophet, the latest false teacher claiming to be Jesus, and you'll probably pull up about 10, 15 of them. And that's quite a few. But it seems to be what Jesus is saying here is there's going to be a whole bunch more than just 10 or 15 around the world. They're going to be all over the place. And they're going to be claiming to be the Messiah, the one who has returned. A lot of these individuals today, they just claim to be Jesus walking on the street, gathering a following. They don't claim to have ever come on the clouds. They just claim to be some kind of reincarnation of Jesus. There's a big difference. And he says the, these false Christs, these impostors, they're going to mislead many. Now, right now, I don't think there are that many individuals out there being misled by a false Christ, a person claiming to be Jesus. Oh, there's a few. But right now, humanity has a bigger problem than that in just a sense of false religion and unbelief and Christians being lukewarm. That's a bigger issue today than some rogue Christ out here misleading the world. He says, and you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened. For those things must take place. But that's not the end yet and we hear a little bit of that you know some saber rattling in the light during this time of tribulation that Jesus is talking about as i said there's going to be no mistaking about it it's going to happen in a way where it'll be so convincing that people will be going oh lord hide us you know let's in fact jesus is going to make this clear later on you're going to have people that are going to be attempting suicide, hiding in the mountains, hiding in the rocks, hoping that they would be buried and out of sight of the presence of God as judgment is about to strike. So but he tells his believers, his disciples, that you don't need to be frightened. You Now, this wouldn't make an ounce of sense if these people were raptured. Do you get that? Jesus is rebutting this notion of raptures right up front by simply saying, you don't be frightened. You don't be misled. Now, if they were raptured out, Then what would be the point of even telling them this? And yet he continues. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famines and earthquakes. Great. Well, all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation. And they will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. You will be. If you're a Christian and you're really you know, uh, an exponent of your Christianity and you're telling people about it, you'll be hated by the world. They're not going to want to hear a word you've got to say. And when it comes tribulation time... These types of individuals that hate Christians are going to be putting them to death. And yet Jesus says, don't be afraid. This is only the beginning. They'll deliver you to tribulation. They'll kill you. You'll be hated. And at that time, and I think because of the persecution that will take place, many will fall away. Paul talks about this later on. As a sign of the times, as a sign that precedes all this stuff about blood moons and all this kind of stuff, there is going to be an apostasy within the church. Jesus says they will fall away and they will deliver up one another and hate one another. All of these individuals that are claiming to be so-called Christians, all of the sudden when trouble abounds people's lives are on the line people all of a sudden become the ultimate narcissists and they start betraying each other throwing each other under, under the bus so to speak saying that person over there yeah yeah that that's that, that guy right there yeah he's a christian well i thought you were a christian not anymore, man. I, I would rather you know, eat, have my job, protect my family, drive my car, whatever, than take on that profession. Carry it out to the logical end. This is the tribulation period. This is the very thing that these prophets we talked about earlier here, this pastor talking about the blood moon and this Christian conspiracy theorist, Mixing and matching Mayan ideas with Christian ideas and saying, well, you know, 2019 is the end of the tribulation. It started in 2012. Really? Really? That's not what Jesus said. And that's not what the book of Revelation says either. But once again, if they're right and 2019, is the end of it all? What are you going to do? I'm trying to tell you how Jesus could come at any time. He said there, that no man knew the day or the hour when he was going to return the second time. Not, I'm not giving you any indication about a rapture because I don't believe that that's going to happen according to the things we've been talking about here. So that means if you're alive at the end of 2019 and these clowns have made this prediction about 2019 being the end, if they're right and you're around, what are you going to do? How are you going to live out your life? What are you going to do when it comes time to take the mark of the beast? Because that's talked about over in Revelation chapter 13. Just a a couple of chapters after it talks about the moon turning to blood and the like, which I'll just tell you, I think what that is all about, the blood moon, a lot of that's being perpetrated today by... You know this John Haggy guy and a guy he got mixed up with here that took his so-called prophecies and ran with them. I think Haggy is a false prophet as well. But I think when we're talking about the moon being turned to blood, there's only three places in the Bible where it talks about it: once in the Book of Joel, once in the Book of Acts, and once in the Book of Revelation. Three different contexts. One dealing with the Judgment upon Israel in the book of Acts, that is taken and interpreted to mean something that dealt with Pentecost and then over in the book of Revelation. I think what it deals with is the cataclysm that's taking place in the earth. All of the wars, all of the destruction. I think what it's going to do is eventually block out the sun. I think there's... A very good possibility there's going to be a nuclear exchange. I think that will blacken out the sun. And what sunshine does, manage to get through and then refracts onto the, uh, the moon from all of the stuff that's in the atmosphere around the world will make it look like that it's been turned into blood. That's what I think it is. It's a... Indication of the cataclysm that has taken place. So if all this is taking place, what are you going to do? What should you be doing? In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus goes on and he tells us, you know, there are many false and many false prophets will arise. This goes along with all these characters who claim to be the Messiah, all of these false Christs, and they will mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, love will grow cold. We see a lot of that taking place today, but just wait until then. It'll, it'll look like, uh, I mean, today, what's going on? It'll be a picnic compared to then. Everyone will seem like they're following law compared to what's going on at that time because it's going to be cutthroat to the nth degree. But the one who endures to the end, says Jesus, he shall be saved. And there will be some that will endure. The, once again, the book of Revelation makes that clear. You so, sure, there's going to be tribulation saints, you know, I've heard that explanation since the day I was in Bible college, trying to explain the tribulation and the rapture and the like. And it, you know, and I believed that for a long time till I started just reading the Bible and came to the conclusion this doesn't make any sense to say that God's economy changes so drastically that come to the time of the great tribulation individuals were they were the church the believers were going to be taken out of the world and then all of a sudden you got millions of converts that are going through that last seven years of trouble that are going to be executed they're going to be beheaded they're going to die in grisly ways and i'm thinking this doesn't make any sense why god would take out Millions only to turn around and kill or have millions of Christians murdered during this particular time in history. It doesn't make any sense. What makes sense is if you go back and take a look at how God dealt with the world and those that he has elected and how he protected some and persecuted, not persecuted, how he punished those that deserve judgment. The believers went through the tribulation. They weren't excised from it. And so that's why Jesus says, But the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world for a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Once again, no mention of a rapture. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, you know, we just have, Jesus is mentioning the abomination of desolation, which took place between the Old and the New Testament period, when Antiochus Epiphanes Moved in, took over the temple period, uh, temple uh, place. Executed or sacrificed a swine, a pig on the altar and set himself up as God on God's throne. Of which eventually the Jews took care of him. Took him out. Jesus says, you know, therefore when you... Who's you? The disciples of Jesus? Which did not happen in their day, so there's something yet to come. Believers or Christians will see this same type of abomination take place in Jerusalem, in the temple, which has not been built yet. So right there, that ought to tell you something when it comes to 2019 being the end of it all. We don't have a temple in Jerusalem yet. So how are you going to have the abomination of desolation take place that Jesus says you will see? But they're to flee to the mountains. And talking about the urgency of it all, let him who's on the housetop not go down and get things out there in his house, and let him who is in the field not turn back to get his cloak, but woe to those who were child, those, those who are pregnant, and those who nurse babes in those days, but pray that your flight may, may not be in the winter time, or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall. This is it. This is the culmination. And yet we look around and we say, well, because an asteroid may or may not hit or or we got a blood moon or the Mayans predicted this. We got this type of thing going on. And they're saying 2019 is it. Completely ignoring what Jesus has said about those days, the tribulation days of seven years. Oh, that started in twenty twelve. It did. Then, why has it a third, on one of the judgments you see over in the book of Revelation, why has not a third of the human population been destroyed almost immediately? That's about 2 billion people, maybe 3 billion. 3 billion people die almost instantly in one of the judgments found in the book of Revelation. And this happens over and over. As the judgments, the trumpet judgments, the seals are opened, are broken. that you know, the, these things happen and people die left and right. If the tribulation started in 2012, then we probably should be down to about half of the Earth's population of when it started in 2012, and yet they're here. That doesn't mean that people haven't died. People die every day, but people have been. Born every day we 've actually increased the population since two thousand and twelve we haven 't gone downhill. so what about that i I guess i 'm trying to say you know if we 're going to take these individuals seriously, then once again we 've got to come back to what Jesus said first, and these people here eh, don't seem to have Jesus in their best interest. They don't seem to have people in their best interest. Instead, like I said before, these types of individuals seem to be more concerned about them. And I think if truth be known, it's their pocketbook that they're worried about. And this is a great way to get into your pocketbook. If you believe this stuff, that's why I say, okay, let's, if they're right, what are you going to do? I would say, you know, we kind of go back to what uh, Mark is saying in Mark chapter 13. And he says, you know, take heed, be on the alert, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man away on a journey, who upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge... Assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or cock crowing or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to you all, be on the alert. Keep doing the things that a Christian would do. Grow in grace, grow in knowledge love your neighbor as yourself. Do those things that glorify God. Don't be frightened, don't be upset. Some people, you know, get, I don't know, wound up about this type of a thing and they completely lose perspective of what they're supposed to be doing as Christians. It's almost like, you know, a a child who becomes panicky about something. And because of inexperience, because of immaturity, the emotions of the moment overtakes them. And if mom and dad are not there to uh, make sure that th- everything's all right, then they go into a tizzy. I think this is, you know, maybe one reason why some Kids end up being basket cases. Or at least it takes them years to overcome some trauma. It's because mom and dad weren't there to take care of the little things. I'm saying, you know, the day is coming. Judgment is coming. But that doesn't mean that you have to lose perspective here. Be alert. But keep doing what Christians should do. Like I said, love your neighbor. Be kind to one another. Tell the truth. Make a stand for the truth. Proclaim the truth. Be ready to defend it. Of course, that would be the same thing as as making a stand. I, w- I would say also, in agreement with what Jesus said, if you know that day and that hour comes, don't be panicky about what you're going to say because they're going to drag you into court. They're going to drag you before the magistrates. They're going to, as Jesus said, lay their hands on you. They will persecute you. They will deliver you in the synagogues and the prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my sake. But he says it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony so make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves for i will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute jesus is talking about this in the context of the great tribulation or the very thing that these prophets here have been talking about. That they say, you know what, if you just look outside and see the blood moon on January 21st, 22nd, that's an indication that, well, that's the end of all things. 2019, it could be next month, but it certainly is going to be by the end of the year. And one way we also know this is, well, look at what Donald Trump's doing. Donald Trump has nothing to do with any of this. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Oh, but look at all the good things he's doing. It has nothing to do with anything. Just be ready in case the day comes. Because like I said, if you're a Christian and the tribulation starts, there's not going to be a rapture. You're going to be right here doing the very thing that Jesus said you should be doing it will give you an opportunity to give your testimony and it's not something that you dream up on your own i will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute but you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will, some of you, will die because of your testimony. And I say some, some is almost a relative term, and is not in the original text here, because when you take a look at the Book of Revelation, which is where a lot of these individuals, you know, like I said before, they, they take their so-called prophecy and they run with it, taking it out of context so that they can look at the stars and the moon and, and whatever and say, oh, you need to be in a panic. Send me a donation and I'll tell you about it. But they take the Book of Revelation out of context And they completely forget, you know what? Christians are going to be here during this particular time. Revelation chapter 6 says, And when he broke broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain. Because of the word of God. What was I saying about testimony? And because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, without refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Those that are fighting for the devil, murdering Christians. They're, they're asking God, how long is it going to be? And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest a little while longer until their fellow servants and their brethren, who were to be killed even as they had been, should be completed also. If you're a Christian during the tribulation, this is going to happen to many of us, to you, to me. This is what the devil has in store. Because he knows he has but a short time, and he's going to murder as many as he can. That's, that doesn't sound like rapture talk to me. You know, if you listen to many individuals who believe in the rapture, they're not even going to be here. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what John has written. Christians are going to be here. They're not going to be raptured out. And then it says, And I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black, a sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. There you go. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its ripe figs and shaken by a great wind, so on and so forth. And here's the part where I was saying before, I think there's a good likelihood that there's going to be nuclear exchange. And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. You don't think that's going to cause the moon to look like it's blood red? And the kings of the earth and great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave... And free men hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Suicide will be part of the order of the day. But it doesn't just stop there. I mean, when we go over to the uh, ch- chapter 12, which some, actually it's, actually it's in chapter 11, but chapter 12 talks about, you know, the persecution of Israel, also God's people there. But it talks about the, the, the innumerable people, a number of people, That were going to be killed there as well. Actually, I should go back to to chapter 7, verse 9. And after these things I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could count. From every nation and all tribes and people said uh, and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And they were asked, Well, who, who is this? Who who are these individuals in these white robes? And an explanation is given. Well, Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of great tribulation. And they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And for this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne shall spread his tabernacle over them. And oftentimes you hear this quoted, you know, at funerals. But it's actually a eulogy dealing with those that that have come out of the great tribulation. They have died. They have been murdered there. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd and shall guide them to springs of the water of life and God shall wipe every tear from their eyes. These are saints that have been murdered during the great tribulation. These are individuals that comprise the church. The church is in the middle of the tribulation. It hasn't been raptured out. But you know, these are the things we... All these things I've been talking about here for the past few minutes are the very things that these individuals, whether it's this Pastor Begley or this other individual talking about end times, the Christian conspiracy theorist, this David Montaigne, or even... The NASA scientist, is, he probably doesn't give a flip one way or the other. He's just seeing asteroids floating around out there. But this is one of these, or these are several of these things, these false prophets and teachers do not get into. What they want you to see is all of these things going on around. And Just get out your telescope and go out there and check it out. And go into a panic. As if, you know, that's going to, yeah, panic, people screaming and yelling. The end is nigh. No, it's not nigh. Not in the sense that they're talking about. And the things that we should be looking for are not the things they're talking about. If you really want to know how close the time of the end is, just take a look at what's going on in the church. Any church, pick one. You know, I would dare to say that in most evangelical slash Christian churches today are in the condition that Jesus warned about when he talked about the days that are preceding the Great Tribulation. They're in a state of apostasy. Doctrine I mean, sound doctrine that Paul talks about in one of his letters is at a premium. It's ragged. The preaching is pathetic. And they focus upon the minutiae like this, this Pastor Begley does. Getting people all hyped up over Nothing. Now, this is where I would <laughs> happen to agree with this, this uh, scientist from NASA. You know, all of this stuff about asteroids and whatever, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. If it happens, it happens. Okay. It'll become a big surprise, but they don't think it's going to happen anyway. And others will tell you that the blood moon is not that big of a deal either. But it's because of people trying to make merchandise of you that they want you to focus on that and forget the rest of the Bible. And we don't have the pastors that we should have, we need to have, that are proclaiming the whole counsel of God. They're they're weak when it comes to doctrine, they just simply regurgitate the same errors of the past. And so people, you know, are running around uh, saying, well, these are the signs of the times. They're not the signs of anything. Maybe signs of ignorance. Maybe signs of apostasy. But they're not what sound doctrine is made of. And so I would say, be careful when you hear this type of a thing? And to answer the question that was at the beginning, what would you do? Once again, do what Christians are supposed to do. Love your neighbor. Study your Bible. Not just read it. Study it. Discern what is going on in the text itself exercise a sound hermeneutic, a sound interpretation of the Bible, and you won't run into a lot of this nonsense that passes itself off as Christian teaching. You won't be led astray. You'll see these things coming, as Jesus said, but you won't be frightened by it. You won't be a casualty. Because he does say, And unless those days, the days that will serve as the tribulation days, when all of the trouble is taking place in the world, he says, and unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days shall be cut short. Once again, the church is going through The middle of the tribulation. And only those that endure to the end will be saved. It's not those that are going to be raptured because there is not going to be any such thing. Unless those days would have been shortened. You know, this kind of tells you about the deception of that time. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by these false teachers and prophets. Don't be deceived by a pastor who seems to be more of a businessman than actual theologian. Pick up your Bible. Read it. Study it. Become so familiar with it that when these dire times arrive, you won't be fooled. You won't be one of those that will compromise, taking the mark of the beast and serving the devil, and ending up in hell one day. Again, thanks for being with me. I hope you enjoyed this. If you have any questions or comments, you can write Doctor Paul drpaul at capro. dot info. Any questions or comments? Till next week. Hope you have a blessed week. You take care. God bless.